Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Um, I want to get into the teaching and I honestly was moving on to a topic that I'm really excited about and I got all the notes for and I had all the preparation for and I was all studied up for it. And the Lord told me you're not done with the throne life. So I want to talk to you about the greatest life imaginable, the throne life. You see, the thrones of this world are toppling. The thrones of this world have come unhinged. The thrones of this world are failing, whether it be the thrones of nations, kingdoms, whether it be the thrones of political parties, whether it be the thrones of idols in our society. And I, I love sports and I love music and I love all the things that we have the freedom to experience. But in many ways, those things have not been missed. You know, honestly, we can live without football for a few weeks or months. We can live without basketball. We can't live without people that serve our great communities and serve our country and serve the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God has not moved one inch off of God's throne. In other words, the thrones of this world have toppled. The thrones of everything people have put their trust in have toppled. But God's throne is as steady and stable and established as ever. It is the Lamb's throne. It is God's throne. It is. The throne of God's great grace. And I want to talk about it because I want it to penetrate. I want you to understand this is not a topic. This is not a subject. This is not a, a, a sermon. This is a way of thinking. This is a lifestyle. This is the greatest life you could ever imagine is the throne life. It's not a part time life. It's a full time life to live at the throne of God, to live from the throne of God and to live for the throne of God. There is nothing that those three things will not solve. There's nothing those three things will not supply you with. There's nothing those three things will not give you the answers that you need. The throne life is the life Jesus paid for us to have. And while the thrones of this world have toppled, the Lamb's throne has remained intact and Jesus is steadily on that throne and he has seated us with him in heavenly places. And we get to live from a seated position in Christ with rest and with confidence and with trust and with the victory already ours. We get to go to the throne of his grace anytime we have need. We get to live for his glory by giving him thanks and respecting the promises of God more than we respect anything we see in our lives, more than we respect disease, more than we respect financial issues, more than we respect what we see with our physical five or experience with our five physical senses. I'm telling you, we have respect for the promise of God. What gave God glory in Abraham's life was he had respect for the promise of God. Looking at his own body now as good as dead. Romans chapter four talks about he said, seeing his own body now as good as dead. 
He didn't pay any respect to his body. He paid respect to the promise of God. And God said, that's it, boy. That's it, son. That's it, champ. That's the way to be. That's what glorifies me is that you're respecting the promise of God more than you've respected anything in your life. Oh, we know that what things look like sometimes. You know, we can see we're not blind. We're not pretending that we don't see the things that are happening. We don't we're not pretending that we don't have problems. We're not pretending we don't have issues. But with respect to the promise of God, man, pay your respect to God's promise. He's never failed one of them. I've been young. I'm now I'm old, David said, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. First Kings five, first Kings eight, fifty six says that not one of God's promises, not one of his good promises has he failed to bring to pass. Not one word has failed of all his good promises. What about the bad ones? You might ask. There are none. There are no bad ones. They're all good promises. Hallelujah, man. I'm getting excited, so I'm going to calm myself down a little bit if I can. But um, wow. The thrones of this world are toppling. The world is reeling from a pandemic. The world is reeling from upheaval, political upheaval, racial inequality, the battle for the soul of a nation and the soul of nations and the battle for the soul of each individual in this world, the thrones of this world fail. But the Lamb's throne is as solid and secure as ever. And that's why we need to learn to live there. The throne life. It's the best life. It's the life Jesus paid for us to experience. It's the life that he traded his life so that you could have. He gave up his throne so you could be seated with him at his throne after he rose from the dead. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I tried to I tried so hard to get this scripture across last Sunday, but I want to take you there again. I distracted myself. You weren't the cause of it. Obviously, you weren't here. <laughs> I distract myself pretty successfully on a regular basis. But Revelation chapter five, verse five. I want to read this to you from the English Standard Version. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Mm. The days of weeping are coming to an end. The days of sorrow, the days of sadness. He said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered. So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Wow. Wait till you hear what I'm about to get to in this Bible, man. This is the greatest book. This is living word of God. This is never going to fail. It never has and it never will. You can bet your life on this. You can build your life on this. You can find your life here. He says, verse six, the lamb. Is in the midst, it says between the throne, he uses the word in the midst of in the King James Version, I think. But here in the English Standard Version, he uses exactly what he meant. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, 
So we got the elders and the creatures and we've got the throne, but we have the lamb in between them. I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Notice where the lamb is standing. He's in between the throne of God, the throne of a holy God and an unholy people. And it is only through that lamb that a holy God sees you. And it is only through that lamb that you can see a holy God. Changed my life when I dug deep into this thing and just going deeper in my life is helping me. I hope it helps you. The Greek word for the word midst in the midst of or between is the word meso. It means to be to be in between or to go before. I saw a lamb and the New Living Translation says that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne. And the four living beings and among the 24 elders. And I can't get into all the meaning of what the creatures are and who the elders are and all of that. Not only do we not have time for that, but I don't know the answer to that, (laughs) to all that. But what I do know the answer to is that the lamb is in between you and God ever living making intercession for you. See, he's not praying for you. He's not praying like you need prayer from Jesus. Well, it wouldn't be bad to get it, but he's not praying. He ever lives to make intercession for us, it says in Hebrews chapter seven, meaning he forever is standing between you and God's throne so that you can be seen by God, received by God and have access to God through the lamb 24 hours a day for all eternity, for all eternity. Are there going to be lines to get to the father? No, he's the father that is going to be able to fellowship. I don't know how, but he's going to be able to fellowship with everyone all at once and yet individually. Again, use your imagination. He's God. He can do anything right. But um, what a beautiful thought that Jesus is in front of the throne where God always sees him before he sees us by seeing him first. You're always cleansed. You're always right. You're always innocent. You're always welcome. You're always the righteousness of God. It's so beautiful to me. Then there our Lord Jesus stands in front of the throne, opening the way for us to approach. God, even the father. So I want to say something about the book of Revelation, because it's um, it's a misunderstood book in many cases. Some of it 
we don't fully we won't fully understand until we get to heaven. We certainly won't appreciate it like we will when we get to heaven, because it describes heaven and it describes the earth and it describes the last days. But I want you to learn something that maybe that, that I've just been studying and maybe you haven't read it like this as I hadn't read it like this until now. And I want you to see that the central image in the book of Revelation is not the beast. The central image in the book of Revelation is not the Antichrist. The central image in the book of Revelation is not the creatures and the horns and the you know all the stuff that is got the drama to it. The central image of the book of Revelation is the lamb upon the throne. It is found from Revelation chapter one to Revelation chapter twenty two. It is the entire book of Revelation is filled with the lamb. The lamb runs through it all. The lamb is through it all. Why is that so important? I'll get to that in a moment. But it's not just any lamb. It's the lamb that was wounded and he you can see his wounds. You will see the wounds of Jesus when you get to heaven. Because we will always remember and we will forever be indebted and we will forever worship him and we will forever know that he didn't just take the throne as his right as deity. He won the throne. He took the throne by being and becoming man and then being humiliated and being mistreated and being denied every form of human dignity was denied him. He was the most humiliated. And now he's the most exalted and he will forever be the most exalted. You say, what does that have to do with me paying my bills, Pastor? What does that have to do with me, you know, healing my family? What is that? Because Jesus, the lamb, when you see him as he really is, he's paid it all for you. He's provided it all for you. We'll get to that. But I want you to see the lamb upon the throne. And the reason why I want you to see this is because the thrones of this world have been toppled. The thrones of this world don't last, but the throne of God lasts forever. And this is why I want to get it permeated and penetrated into your thinking and into my thinking that this is the life. This is the greatest life. This is the essence of life. This is the goal of all life is to be able to live this throne life at the throne of his grace from the throne of his royalty and for the throne of his glory. You know. How important is the lamb's throne to God? How important is the lamb's throne to God in these days we're living in? How important is the lamb's throne to God in the book of Revelation? How important is the lamb's throne during the tribulation? How important is the lamb's throne in heaven? I'll tell you how important it is, because Revelation is all about the end times. Revelation is all about heaven. Revelation is all about all of the things that John saw that God revealed to him on the island of Patmos. And I want you to hear this. Here's how important it is to God. 
because Jesus was referred to as a lamb only once in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 53, verse seven is that verse. You can look it up later. Jesus, I want you to hear the number. Jesus was referred to as a lamb once in the Old Testament. Only in Isaiah 53, verse seven, Jesus is referred to the lamb only twice in the Gospels. John chapter one, verse twenty nine and John chapter one, verse thirty six. Jesus is referred to as the lamb only once. In the epistles in first Peter chapter two or first Peter, chapter one, excuse me, verse 19, he's referred to as lamb. Think about it now. In all the books of the Bible, Jesus is referred to the lamb is referred to as the lamb only four times. Until the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus is referred to the lamb, referred to as the lamb 28 times. 28 times in the book of Revelation, in one book, in the last book, it is the last thing. It is the greatest thing. It is the most beautiful thing. It is the final thing God wants the whole world to see. And he wants us to look at forever in heaven, the lamb upon the throne. Well, you might be saying, Pastor, I think you might have fell off, fell off somewhere and hit your head on a rock or something that there's got to be more important. There's nothing more important than this. There is nothing I could tell you that is more important than what God is telling us. Let me tell you something. God is referred. Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. The Lamb on the throne 28 times in the book of Revelation. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that the book of Revelation is the greatest book of salvation and it is the greatest book. Of proving that God is offering salvation all the way till the end, all the way till the end. Is there hope for your family members? Yes, because the Lamb of God is talked about and the Lamb of God is the tapestry of the entire book of Revelation. The Lamb of God is at the beginning. The Lamb of God runs all the way through and the Lamb of God is the concluding act, the final chapter of all that God sees and all that God wants to say to humanity now and forever for all eternity. No wonder. He told us as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, man, I know we took communion last Sunday, but as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, he said, man, do it in remembrance of me. Remember his death. Why? Because his death is the proof of his love. The lamb slain, I want you to I want you to hear something about this. The lamb is three things. In the book of Revelation, he is the lamb slain, our great redeemer. He's the lamb slain, our great redeemer. Revelation chapter 13, verse eight says that the lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world, that this was always God's plan, 
that he would bring mankind to him, he always knew what man would do. But he'd already factored in what he would do. That's how much he loved man, knowing that's how much he loves us, knowing that we would fail, knowing that we would fall, knowing that we were given the keys of earth, knowing that we were given the keys of humanity. But God had to let man make a choice and man made the wrong choice. But God made the right choice because he gave us a second Adam named Jesus. But it was in his mind long before the first Adam ever showed up on planet Earth in the Garden of Eden with naked Eve and him and all that was going on up in there. You understand what I'm talking about? This. God, we get to call our father. He's thought through it all. Don't you think he's thought through the pandemic? Don't you think he's thought through next year? Don't you think he's thought through the next problem you're going to have? Don't you think he's thought through whatever you're going to face in your life five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? He's thought it all through. He's got a plan for it all. He is the ultimate navigational system of life. You make a wrong turn and our great God finds a way to turn something bad into something good. Our God causes all things to work together for good. He doesn't cause all things, but he causes them all to work in your favor. Ultimately, why? Because Jesus blood runs through humanity's history and Jesus blood started in the fun before the foundation of the world and goes all the way to the end of all eternity, which there will be no end. And yet his blood goes through it all. It goes through your worst days growing up. The blood redeems your worst moments, your worst chapters, your worst seasons, your worst mistakes. The blood runs through it all. It runs through it all. That's why it's in the book of Revelation, because God says this is the last thing I'm going to say to mankind before I before I leave them on Earth with the Bible and send the Holy Spirit. This is it. This is everything. Everything is about the throne of God. We get to live at the throne. We get to live from the throne and we get to live for the throne forever, forever. And it starts not when we die. It starts when we really live. The moment we're born again, we get to enter into this throne life. We don't have to be saved for 30 years to learn or to have access to the throne. We have to be saved for 12 milliseconds before we just read it and find out we have access. We have access. You have access right now to go to God about anything. What happens? Fear leaves you. You have the victory right now and you get to rule with Christ and you get to tell the devil what to do. And he has to obey you. He's a fallen angel. You're a risen man. You're a risen woman. You're a risen human. He's a fallen angel. You're a risen human. That means you have so much more authority than him. How much authority? Far above all rule. Where's Jesus seated? He's seated in the heavenly places. Where's the devil? Where's the demons? Where's the angelic demonic principalities? They're in heavenly places. And where is Jesus in those same heavenly places? But where is he far above Ephesians chapter one, verse twenty one and twenty two says he's far above all authority. He's far above all the rulers. He's far above all principalities. He's far above all power. He's far above all dominion. And verse twenty one says he's far above every name that is named covid, Corona, call it whatever you want to call it. 
it. Name it whatever you want to name it. Name the worst thing that can happen in your life. Name the worst demon. Name the worst problem. Name the worst devil. And Jesus' name is far above, far above. His name is above every name. When you declare that name, things shake in this earth. When you declare the name that is above every name, he's been given the name above every name. Not only in this age, but in the one to come, my God. You see his emphasis here when Paul says this in Ephesians chapter one, if I could just digress for a second and tell you something so. So precious to me. That the writers, the writer, in this case, Paul, the apostle, had such a revelation. That Jesus name was above every name in this age, he had such a revelation of his God given authority in Christ now that his emphasis is not even on this age. He assumes the people at Ephesus understand their authority. And he's that's why he says it. He's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, which you guys already know, but also in the one to come. You see, his emphasis was on the one to come. Because he assumed. And unfortunately, in our case, we can't assume that people understand that they're seated with Christ in heavenly places, as it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse six, says Jesus far above all authority. And then look at what it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse six. I don't think we can hear this enough. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Best thing you can do in your life is check your address. Where do you live in Christ Jesus? Best thing you can do is locate yourself. Where are you in Christ Jesus? Best thing you can do is realize there's been a relocation of your life. There's been a new address. Don't you are not going to find me on loser lane anymore. You're going to find me on victory venue. You're going to find me. You're not going to find me on. You know, you're not going to find me on on, on, you know, conquered court. You're going to find me on more than conquerors, you know, mountain. I don't know. Just trying to come up with letters that go together. But listen, this is this is our new address. We got to get used to it. This is where we live. We live in Christ. We live in the heavenly place. We live at the throne. We live from the throne. and We live for the throne in case anybody is concerned. Well, if you tell people they just live at the throne and get anything they want, you know, how are they going to glorify God? Because we're not just living at the throne. We're living for the throne for his glory, for his glory, not for our own to glorify what he did. It glorifies what Jesus did when we take our seat with him. It glorifies what Jesus did when we speak his word. It glorifies what Jesus did when we give. It glorifies what Jesus did when we pray with authority. It glorifies what Jesus did when we let it permeate our soul. That we are living the throne life every day, every minute. Lord reminded me earlier today or yesterday or the day before several times like, hey, son. You're with me. Hey, he's like, hey, you're with me. You know, you can check with me about anything. You know that, right? Like you can ask me to help rearrange stuff and bring things to pass and order your steps, you know, You know, I'm 
you know that you can you can talk to me about anything, even when you're struggling with something like that's the time even more so. God's never going to break you. He's always going to give you a break because that's who he is, a dimly burning wick. He will not extinguish. Remember that verse that he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And he's never going to brush you aside, turn you away. But he will set things right. He will right the ship, he will avenge you. Go to him now. Go to him now. He's wet. He's waiting for you. Go to him now. You're struggling with go to him now. Hey, pastor, will you pray for me? Of course I'll pray for you, but I got something better. Go to him now. Go to the father now. You need healing. Go to the throne of grace. Healing flows and never stops flowing from that throne. Miracles never stop flowing from that throne. Answers never stop flowing. Mercy. Man, I really blew it. I'm so far from God. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Mercy for Lord, for you not to get what you do deserve. You deserve judgment, but mercy triumphs over judgment. And we don't deserve grace, but he gives it to anyone who will simply come and receive what he is so willing to give. We learn in Hebrews 4, 16, right? I said to you, the lamb in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, he is number one, the lamb slain, our great redeemer. He's the lamb on the throne, our great conqueror and intercessor. And he's the lambs. He's the lamb of the marriage supper. The source of our great relationship with him. He's the lamb slain, our great redeemer. He's the lamb on the throne, our great conqueror and intercessor. And he's the lamb of the marriage supper and the marriage of the lamb. Let us rejoice and be glad. Revelation chapter 19, verse seven says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. What do we do in these Sundays? These are so sacred to me. What are we doing every Sunday? What are we doing every Wednesday? What are we doing every time we can connect together? What are we doing? We are making ourselves ready. He's the one doing it in us. He is at work in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We're simply working out what he's worked in already in us. But man, that's what we're doing. We're making ourselves ready for what? For the mayor. Let us rejoice and be glad. Isn't this sound familiar to the scripture in Psalms where he says, let us rejoice and be glad, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The day that he's made is every day, but specifically this day. Revelation 19, seven, let us rejoice and be glad. This is what it was all pointing to. Let us rejoice and be glad. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. It was always pointing to this day. 
that we would live the throne life at the throne. From the throne. And for the throne. Now, listen to me. I just got a couple minutes, but I got to get this out to you today. The depth. The drama. The detail to which God describes Jesus sacrifice must be conveyed. Did you hear me? The depth, the drama, the degree of his suffering, the detailed degree of his suffering must be conveyed so that the height of your elevation, so that the richness of your victory, so that the greatness of your worth can be truly realized. Did you hear me? The depth and the drama and the degree and the detail of his suffering and sacrifice must be conveyed. That's why he's the lamb throughout the throughout the book of Revelation. It must be conveyed so that the height of your elevation, how high Jesus has raised us so that the height of your elevation, the richness of your victory and the greatness of your worth can be realized. What is the greatness of your worth? It is how Jesus values you. How much does he value you? Well, he says in Matthew 13, 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price. Oh, yeah. He went and sold all. All that he had, every last ounce of his blood. And bought that beautiful pearl. And that beautiful pearl, beloved, is you. You are the beautiful pearl that he was searching for. That he was seeking after. That he wanted and sold it all to have you. This is what envelops my thinking these days. This is what I'm fall on my knees. This is what I'm crying tears over more now in the season of my life than ever. So thankful. That God. Found me, he was looking for me. Look at what it says, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven It's the kingdom of God. This is God's kingdom. We're not the merchant from heaven seeking. He's the one from he's the king of the kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven. This is the merchant is the king. He's seeking fine pearls. He's got all the wealth in the world. He's got all the he's got everything and he finds one pearl of great value. That's you. And he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he values you. I want to say it to you one more time and then we're going to pray. The depth, the drama, the degree, the detail of his suffering and his sacrifice must be conveyed so clearly so that the height of your elevation, how high Jesus raised you, the richness of your victory, how victorious Jesus has made you, 
the greatness of your worth, how valuable Jesus sees you, that all of those things could be realized, the height of your elevation, the richness of your victory, the greatness of your worth. This is why he did it all to bring us to the throne life. And we will forever live at his throne, from his throne and for his throne. And that's why we get to live that way now. Eternity starts already. It's just a matter of where we live out our eternity. And where are we going to live it when we're born again at the throne? From the throne. And for the throne, for his glory. If you're not living there yet, if you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, everybody's going to live forever. Now, the question that everybody has to ask themselves is, where am I going to spend eternity? When Jesus died on the cross, he made a way so you can spend eternity with him. And the only way you could ever miss out. Is to reject this precious gift that he gives to sell everything so that he can buy you back from sin, from the devil, from darkness, from defeat, from failure, from sickness, from the curse, from disease. He bought it all. He paid it all for you because you are that beautiful pearl to him. You ready to get saved? If you're not already, come on, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, just pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my savior and Lord. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Just say that I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Jesus Christ, come into my life. I'm yours and you're mine. In Jesus name. Now, Father, for every person. Give them a revelation. The depth of your suffering, the height of their elevation, the depth of your sacrifice. The richness. of your vic of their victory. Whew. The depth of your sacrifice, Lord. The beauty and the greatness. Of their worth and their value. Let them see it, Jesus. Let them see it. How great is our God? Come on, let's just worship him for a moment and just tell him how much you love him. Just begin to thank him. Just begin to worship him, worship him for all that he's done for you. Come on, let's take a moment. And holy is the Lord revealed before my eyes. And my burning heart can scarcely take it. In. As I behold your beauty with unworthy eyes. And the only song soul knows how to sing. And 
to the Lamb. This is the song. These are the words. This is the spirit that we will live in for all eternity. And we get to start it now. I love you so much. Everything's going to be all right. And I can't wait to see you next time. And if you need anything in the meantime, please let us know. We're here for you. This church is your church. It's here for you. Love you guys. See you Wednesday.